Tonight, the incredible story of Domingo Salmudio. And yes, you've heard of him. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Welcome back to our listeners here in the States and around the world. We're happy to have you back with us. And if you're joining us for the first time, well, welcome to the podcast. If you like us and you like what you hear, you can always tune in each and every week and uh, go ahead and subscribe so you can get the latest episode of our show. Now, this evening, we are going to be talking about uh, one of the popular groups from the 60s, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Um, a fellow that you met uh, while you were doing concert promoting. And uh, I think you're going to share with us his story. Absolutely. Uh, what a wonderful person, too. It's just uh, heartwarming. And and uh, just as I'm talking to uh, you folks right now, um, <laughs> I still I still remember this this wonderful person. Uh, his, his name was Domingo Salmudio, and I first met him back in the late 1960s. Uh, he was in his late 20s. I was a college student, uh, and I was helping to promote a concert, as Gary mentioned, uh, featuring a popular singing group headed by Jim McGuinn. Uh, do you remember the name of that group, Gary? Oh, I believe that would be The Birds. The Birds, Mr. Tambourine Man and Turn, 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 and some of my favorite show uh, songs. So anyways, they were, the, uh, they were the lead at the concert, and, uh, Sam, and uh, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, they were the opening act. Um, he and his group were known as Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Uh, he was known for his campy robe and turban. Do you, do you have any idea, Gary, where he might have gotten the inspiration for his costume? Well, I believe that some of his uh, stuff came from a movie, didn't it? Yes, it did. 1956. What's the name of the movie? Oh, Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, starring Yul Brenner. It was the costume uh, Yul Brenner wore as the Pharaoh in the Ten Commandments. Uh, so Sam liked that costume so much, it inspired his onstage costume for when he was performing. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. And he hauled his equipment around. Uh, he was pretty, uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> in tune with the times in the 60s. Uh, he hauled his equipment around in an old 1952 Packard hearse, and it had maroon velvet curtains on it. I mean, uh, when he was rolling into town, you couldn't miss Sam. Oh, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, that would stick out like a sore thumb. But oh, yeah. I, if you think about it, though, not a bad idea because that's a lot of storage in the back for equipment. <clears throat> really? Yeah, it was practical. Uh, he was the front man for the Pharaohs, and... Uh, Okay, Gary, it's time to, you weren't around at this time, but you do have uh, quite a knowledge of both movies and songs from that era. So he had two top 40 hits in the mid-1960s. What were they? Wooly Bully. Wooly Bully. And one of my favorites, Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood. That's been used in quite a few movies, too. Mm. Uh, Wooly Bully has, but... I think Little Red Riding, Little Red Riding has so. been used more, yeah. 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 So <clears throat> he he didn't have a huge list of hits, so he had to have other careers outside of music uh, as his life unfolded, but he's uh, forever part of the 1960s music culture with those two. Let's uh, talk a little bit about um, his background. 
And then I'll uh, share with our, our listeners uh, my personal experiences with Sam. Um, after he graduated from high school, Gary, he joined the Navy for six years. So after uh, the Navy stint, he enrolled in college. It was um, at the University of Texas at Arlington. Sam is from Texas. Uh, and he studied voice, music. And this is what he actually said. I was studying classical music in the daytime and playing rock and roll at night. What a combination. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the most interesting thing. Um, people who are music fans will understand this. Uh, a lot of the rock and rollers of the 60s, 70s, and 80s were inspired by classical music. Yes. And even when you listen to like Queen, I am a big fan of the, the rock group Queen. Um, their music is heavily influenced by opera, mm -hmm. and you can see that, or not really see it, you can hear that in their music. So, I mean, just throwing that out there is like a little fact there, but it's I can understand. And uh, look at the uh, the huge hit the birds had, turn, turn, turn. The um, the verse verse from that is from the Bible, Ecclesiastes. So, uh, yes, the Bible, classical music, they all had their influence in this uh, classic rock and roll of the era. So anyways, uh, back to Sam and his university days. Uh, they lasted for a couple years uh, because then his rock and roll career was really taking off like a rocket, so he dropped out of college. Now, by the time I met him, Sam had a, a three-year-old son named Demetrius, and because of the horrific pressures of being on the road performing all the time, I'm sorry to say that uh, Sam found himself divorced a, a year or two later. Uh, I had arranged at the time for both the birds and Sam to stay overnight after their concert, and I booked them into rooms at the local Holiday Inn. Uh, that particular night after the concert, uh, the birds were hungry, so I did a burger run with them to get them some late-night hamburgers, returned to the hotel, and then I checked in to see how Sam was doing. And we sat down in his room, Gary, and, and we chatted for quite a while. And He shared with me the feeling that the only regret he had in life, and I've never forgotten this part of the conversation. In fact, it's the only part of the conversation I, I still remember so many years later. He said his only regret that he rose to stardom rather quickly with his hit song Wooly Bully and consequently he had been unable to finish college and he really wished he could have finished college. And th there was something that uh, he also deeply regretted and that was that the career had uh, created a serious rift in his marriage. So as we were talking, he was thinking back, wow, you know, this is great. I'm performing here on stage with the birds and I'm on top of the world with my music. But look at the sacrifice I've uh, had to pay for this, uh, my family and, and my college degree. So um, I, I just only hope that my sympathetic ear at the time uh, brought him some comfort at, at that time because he was, he was in a very serious mood when I was in the room with him after the show. Now, that was my brief experience with Sam. After leaving the music business, he worked in Mexico as an interpreter and uh, a mate on a small commercial fishing boat there in the Gulf of Mexico. And later, he became a motivational speaker. I had heard from someone that he was actually a, a street 
preacher in Houston, but I, I, I can't, you know, verify that for sure. Yeah, and, I'm and, not sure if that was true. <clears throat> I, yeah. I watched a little documentary about him a while back, and it seems like he did pretty well for himself. He may have gotten into uh, faith-based type stuff for a while. I think mm-hmm. he was doing music, like mm-hmm. Christian music. Yeah, but I, I sounds I like Sam. Anything. Yeah, sounds like Sam. And and I think he may have retired somewhere near uh, Venice, which is in southwest Florida. Uh, I know that his favorite restaurant there is called Snookhaven, and uh, they're still very popular. Uh, they have great barbecue, and they feature a lot of local uh, bands there uh, for entertainment. And he has uh, come over to Snookhaven and performed on occasion. So I think he might be retired in that area. I'm not sure. Don't know. But I'm happy to report that as far as his music career, total success in 2016, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, Domingo Samudio, was inducted into the Memphis Music Hall of Fame. Wow. Mm -hmm. So again, uh, Gary, what a wonderful person. Uh, Very straightforward, very natural, no airs about him even though he was on top of the world with top 40 hits at the time, a very serious uh, individual, even though he looked crazy on stage. (laughs) But that's the way it is. I mean, there's a lot of folks who are performers that have that stage persona. Alice Cooper, who was really big uh, rock star in the 80s, 70s and 80s, very theatrical. Um, His was kind of the shock rock, you know, Mm -hmm. big outfits and props and things like that. But, Alice Cooper on stage is different than Alice Cooper in personal life. Alice Cooper in personal life, a super intelligent guy, loves to golf. I think he's done a few of those tournaments. Grandpa used to watch, you know, the celebrity tournaments for golfing. Um, Very in tune with things around him, but is inspired by classic movies of the 30s and 40s that were, you know, those classic universal horror films, but is nowhere near who he is on stage. And it's just, you know, a lot of people are like that. When they perform, they put on a mask of who they are. I think you uh, even had mentioned once uh, when you met Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix was way different in person when you sat down and talked with him exactly. versus Jimi Hendrix on stage. Exactly. Jimi Hendrix, he was a wild man on stage. Set his fi- uh, guitar on fire or break it into bits and pieces. He was an absolute wild man on stage. But uh, you get him off stage? Oh, my gosh. The guy was very serious, very quiet. Um, and his uh, band members, they were stoned out of their minds on, on something. Uh, it was the 60s. It yeah. wasn't. So, you know, they were they were kind of dozing, <laughs> but not him. Um, I know he died of a drug overdose, Gary, but when I saw Jimi Hendrix, and for the few hours I spent with Jimi Hendrix, he was stone-cold sober, and he was a serious guy. He was a former um, Army paratrooper. And uh, so, uh, you know, he had a, a self-discipline about himself. He was there. Um, I met his uh, Danish girlfriend. Uh, she was there uh, with him backstage with us. And uh, it's just, it was, it was like night and day. You'd never recognize him as the wild man that uh, he portrayed on stage. Jimi Hendrix, great isn't, guy. Isn't that something? Yeah. I mean, you could you could have made a career out of being like a therapist for celebrities. Cause yeah. I feel like you have sat down and talked to so many people and they've expressed their feelings and things that they were dealing with, you know, and maybe it's because you have that sympathetic ear 
and and you're an easygoing person that they feel so comfortable to open up about you know things that they had been dealing with during those times but uh i think you missed your calling well, uh, I guess one of my biggest accomplishments was getting the uh, members of the birds to stop jumping on their um, motel room beds after the show, uh, like <laughs> adolescents, and piling them into my car and going to the burger joint to get in burgers. And so sometimes it's food that uh, shapes behavior. That's true too. <laughs> sometimes people get a little hangry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know. I know my son does when he doesn't get his snack right away. He starts jumping on the couch. Yeah. So well. It's that time again. We love having you guys with us. And again, uh, if this is the first time that you're joining us for the show and you liked what you heard, uh, we post our stuff uh, every week, uh, usually on Fridays. It sometimes pops up early in the morning. But uh, if you are subscribed to our podcast, you'll know when it's up. So once again, I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And this was your incredible story. 